0: We are continuing our study of Simha. This afternoon's class will be given the Khaim Kanyevsky zechat Sadikul Last week we left off with a very big question. If we can say it, it was a question on the creator himself how could it be that when it came to the making of mankind that he gave us so many challenges and so many things that we are lacking you can listen to last class if you missed it can go over again but if we have the following piece of information, everything is going to make sense, Hashem like everything else makes sense, you just have to fill in some important pieces of knowledge. Let's talk about the purpose of creation, not a very long study, a very brief version of the purpose of why did Hashem create this world David Melech says hased which means that Hashem has a midah one of his midot called the midah of hased this midah means That there's an urge, there's a desire for a person to do something for someone other than himself. I want to go beyond myself. It's a midah that we find in ourselves as well. Hashem has this midah on a very high level. And says David HaMelech that the entire creation was put into action because of this midah. Meaning that this desire, this characteristic of wanting to do something for someone other than myself is the reason why Hashem created a world Hashem wasn't bored, he wasn't looking for new toys to play with. This midah of Hazad that's within him wanted to do something for someone other than himself. So he created a world where he would make a human and he would do kindness to this human. He would give him all the tools to be able to live a life of pleasure. And he would give him all the tools to be able to raise himself and to enjoy this world as much as possible. Now you have to remember that Hashem is perfect. Which means that when He gives a gift, the gift also has to be perfect. Someone who's perfect doesn't give a gift that's not perfect. So therefore, when we say that Hashem wanted to do something for mankind, He created them so He could do good for them, so He can give them a gift, That gift would have to be a perfect gift. When we give gifts to one another, it's not always perfect. We can give someone candy, for example, and they will enjoy it or chocolate, but they may have to pay the price at the dentist. We may give a person a bottle of wine, but that may hurt them. We may give someone money, but not necessarily is that perfect. When Hashem gives a gift, it has to be a perfect gift. Because a perfect being does perfect things. So the question is, what would be the most perfect gift that Hashem can give this creation that's called, that's us? What would be the most perfect gift that He can give us? So as we look around the world we need to find what's perfect. What What is in this world that's perfect, that he would be able to give us that perfect gift? And the answer is, when you look around the world, you know that the only thing that's perfect is the creator of the world himself. So therefore, the gift that he gave us, humans, the gift that he gave mankind, is that he would give us the ability... To be like him. To have his midot. To have his patience. To have his kindness. To has to have his midah of emet. Of truth. To have the midah of compassion. To have his wisdom. To have his simha. If Hashem is perfect. Then the perfect gift would be giving us the ability to be exactly, as much as possible exactly, to be like Him. That's why we in the Torah are described as Etzellam Elohim, we are an image of Hashem. The image of Hashem means that whatever Hashem is, we are an image of that. Whatever it is that He has, were made up from the same dynamics, which means, for example, imagine, not to compare, but imagine you had a computer that's made by Microsoft. So they have a very powerful computer that could sell for $100,000, or they could have one very small one that could sell for $1,000. But you'd say it's the same manufacturer and it's running basically the same programs, but one is way more powerful. Well, Hashem says you're at Salem Elohim means you are a mini-God. You have all of the programming that Hashem himself has. And he gave us this gift, which is to come into this world and to be able to make ourselves exactly like him again as much as humanly possible. That's the greatest gift that Hashem can give us. One might ask, I keep repeating and saying, He gave us the ability to be like Him. Which means He put us in a world where we have free choice. We can be godly, or we can be the opposite. We can be compassionate or cruel. We can be kind or selfish. We could be full of lies, or we could be emet. We can be full of wisdom or full of nonsense. He gave us the ability because He didn't make us like Him. He gave us the chance to be like Him. He says, here, I'm going to put you in a world and you can become like me if you so choose. It will be your choice. You can become Moshe Rabenu, or you can become Hitler, Yemashem. It's up to you. So one might ask, Why would Hashem put us in that predicament? He could have done something better. Because you see, when He gives us free choice, He's taking a risk. That gift that He wants to give us, which is to be like Him, is really a risk because who says that we're going to follow through as we see Many people around us are not exactly godly. Their patience is not godly. Their kindness is not godly. Their wisdom is nowhere near. So the question that we may ask, why did you, Hashem, why did you give me the ability to be like you? Why not one better? Why not just make me like you? And then if you made me like you, there's no risk involved. I would be, every one of us would be, enjoying the gift of godliness that Hashem has given us. Without having to choose. Imagine having the most beautiful midot from the minute you walked onto this planet. So refined, so calm, so samea, so everything perfect. Wisdom, top. Every one of us would come into the world that way. It would be so beautiful. We would be all mini-gods walking around. But Hashem didn't do that. And it would seem that He shortchanged us. But in reality, if Hashem would have made us just like Him, so then, by definition, it means that we're not like Him. I'm going to repeat that again. If Hashem would have made us like Him, then automatically, by definition, that means we're not like Him. Why do I say that? Because Hashem is not a taker. Hashem didn't get someone to give Him what He has. Whatever Hashem has... That's something from within Him. It wasn't someone that came to hand Him His patience, or hand Him His hasad or hand Him His emet, or His wisdom. It was something from within the Creator Himself. Hashem only gives, doesn't take. So if Hashem would make us like Him, And he would give us all of those beautiful qualities that he has. It sounds beautiful because we would all be perfect. But it would be not perfect because it would be perfection that's handed to us. And perfection that's handed to us is not perfect. Because by definition it means we're takers. And we're not like God, because God did it from within. So to make us like Him exactly, there would need to be a process where a human would come onto the planet and he would have all of the capability to be like Hashem and to have all of His midot. but yet it has to be done in a way where He Himself is going to make this happen. Because if it's given to Him, or He has no free choice, you see there's two ways Hashem could have done it for us. Either give it to us, or put us in a world where we would have to choose it. Either way, it's not us. Either way, it's not considered our choice. For example if I would take someone to the Empire State Building and I put them on the top floor and I would say that usually we close the the doors over here and we don't let people jump off. But today we have a special for you. We're gonna open the door and then we're actually gonna let you do it if you want. No one's gonna stop you. Go ahead. It's your free choice. Jump if you would like. So probably none of us would jump if we were still same. How come? How come nobody would make that mistake? Is there free choice? We see people who have free choice. Sometimes they choose good. Sometimes they choose wrong. So how come over here every time you're going to choose not to jump? So the, the answer is very simple. That even though there was free choice to jump, in reality there was no free choice. There was, but there wasn't. Because since clarity... Of what's going to happen to the person is so clear to the person they know what's going to happen to them if they jump off so therefore their choice wasn't considered really a free choice because their clarity was so Barur that there was no question of course they're not jumping but that's not to their credit So Hashem could either give us perfection or put us in a road where we have no choice but to choose perfection. Either way, that's not called you did anything. If I tell you put your hand in the fire, it's going to burn and you don't put your hand in the fire, that's not called free choice. It's obvious, of course you're not doing it. It's going to be painful. So why would you put your hand in the fire? You can't say, oh, I choose such good choices in my life. I don't put my hands in fire. You don't say that. Because it's not a free choice What comes barur What's clear What When the outcomes are clear Then it's not really free choice And if it's not free choice That means it's forced Or it's given to us And if that's the case Then we didn't do it And if we didn't do it Then we're not like Hashem So therefore Hashem did give us The greatest gift And the most perfect gift And that is he gave us the ability to be like Him. He said, I'm going to put you in a world where you will have to choose your destiny. You will be in a world where if you want to see clarity, you could. This is a hard world to create. If I gave you that mission to make a world where if the person would want, they would see clear, but if they so choose, they can ignore and live their life completely off, you would say it's a very hard thing to do. How can the world be c- so clear, yet so confusing at the same time? How can the same person and his neighbor see two different things? It has to be clear enough that the person can see the truth. Otherwise, Hashem doesn't expect us to guess our way through life. It has to be so barur that's a 100% clear, but yet so confusing that people can easily get confused. How do you do that? This is the miracle of what we call the hira hafshit, free choice. Hashem made such a world with such chokhmah that every one of us will have to choose our destiny. You want to be like Hashem? You're going to choose your way? You're going to make your destiny, you're going to make yourself patient and kind and wise and all the beautiful things. It's up to you. Hashem is not going to force you. He'll give you the tools, He'll help you, but He's not forcing you because it has to be from within you. By the way, this is why there is something that we all are aware of, but we may not know why it happens like that. We all know that making money, as an example, is more enjoyable, the money actually is more enjoyable, than if someone gave it to you. Even though it's the same money, and it buys the same things. Why would one enjoy one more than the other? And the answer is, we all know that it's true, because when you do it yourself, it feels better. The reason why it feels better is because that's godliness. Because when you make something yourself, that's from within you. But when someone gives you, then you are a taker. That is the opposite of being like God. That's why it can't feel as good. When you accomplish, that's beautiful. That's coming from within. That's the world Hashem put us in. A world where He desired to give us the perfect kindness, which is to be Him. And He gave us the ability and the tools to get there. But ultimately... It must be our choice. Otherwise, it wouldn't be perfect. When you have this information, you start seeing the world in a whole different light. For example, let's go today to something we touched on last week, but we're going to go more into it today. Case study today will be Kavod. Running after honor. The Mesilat Yesharim writes, that Kavod is such a difficult challenge for us humans, meaning the need to feel honored, the need to feel noticed, the need to feel respected. He says a person can conquer his desire for money, even though it's hard. He can conquer his desire for otherworldly pleasures, even though it's hard. Achat kavod, he says, but kavod is so difficult. Kavod, having your self respect or having people notice you or respect you, the need for that is so difficult. He says, A person can't handle it, he can't stomach it. To see et to see himself. That he is in any way less than other people. He's not on the same level as others. Says this human desire for Kavod. Many people have stumbled. And they're gone. Kavod plays a very big role in our lives. In fact, the Gaon of Vilna says that the Mishnah Avot that most people know, hakina ve'ataava jealousy, desires for physical pleasures, and the desire for honor, motziin basically, they destroy the human being. Says the Gaon, the list of this Mishnah is in order. Kina begins when we're very little. Already jealousy is in our blood. And then our ta'avot come in. When we get a little older, we start to have desires for things that we didn't desire when we were younger. He says, but then kavod, kavod, honor, that never leaves you. It comes in and it's with you when you're 50. 60, 70, 90, you could be 120. Kavod is something that is very powerful. Says the Mesilat Yasharim, It's one of the greatest obstacles of mankind. This desire to feel respected by others. Rabbi Yisrael Messalant, one of the great Bale Musa, writes that there is nothing that destroys a person's character in general. We have many midot characteristics. There is nothing, he says, that destroys midot tovot, keredifata kavod, like running after honor. When we go to run after kavod, it doesn't allow us to have patience and kindness Kabod destroys our ability for refinement. <laughs> Rub Vilajan says, En Rodef Ba'olam, there isn't someone who pursues to destroy a human in this world more than the Kabod. And we look throughout the Torah and we see the Torah constantly giving us examples. Sometimes stories that were all around Kavod. And sometimes just little words here and there to remind us. Look at that. Look at this guy. Look at the Kavod and what it did to him. Look how he talks. Look how he reacts. I'll give you a few examples. By Lavan Arami, As we know, Yaakov, Abinu was living by Lavan for many years. And came time for him to leave. So he took his wives. Lavan's daughters. He took his children, Lavan's grandchildren, and he ran away. Because Hashem told him it's time to leave. Lavan was not very happy that Yaakov left. So the Pasuk says that he went to pursue him. And the Pasuk says that Hashem came to Lavan b'halom halayla. He came to him in a dream. Hashem came to him to talk to him in a dream. That probably never happened to you. Never happened to me. I don't think it happened to anybody living today. That Hashem would come to somebody in a dream to talk to him. Hashem came to Laban and He told him, He shamer lecha. Be careful. Pen. Can we just tell him outside? This Thank you im veadra. Be careful. Do not, in short, in English, don't mess with Yaakov. Leave him alone. I know you're running after him from the from the halom. It sounds like Lavan was going after him, and to do something that's not so not so good to him. I don't know exactly what it was to kill him, to hurt him, to jail him. I don't know. Hashem tells him, be careful. Do not mess with Yaakov. So now finally Lavan reaches Yaakov. And he tells Yaakov, what did you do? You stole my heart, he tells him. You took my children. Why did you hide from me to run away? Why didn't you tell me I would have escorted you with simha, with shirim, with songs? And he didn't let me kiss my daughters to my grandchildren. He says he did a very bad thing. Then he tells him, watch this. He tells him, yesh el Yadi. He says, Don't think. I have I have the ability. I have the power means strength ra' don't think that I don't have the ability to hurt you because I do but I'm not going to you know why <laughs> but your God last night he said to me lemor amar Eli he said to me, Lemor, to say, lecha, be careful, Laban, Mitaber im Yaakov, Meaning, I could have hurt you. Don't think I can't hurt you now. But your God told me to say, don't hurt him. So first of all, why would Laban say this? For what reason? If you're going to hurt somebody, so hurt them. Get the satisfaction. Go ahead. Destroy them. Feel good about yourself. You're not going to hurt them. So don't hurt them. What do you gain by not hurting them and tell them, by the way, I just want to tell you I was going to kill you and I could have killed you. But I didn't because God told me not to. Why does that make you look good? That makes you look bad. Don't say anything. That's question one. What does he have to mention that for? Laban is not a tipesh. He's not a fool. After all, it's his son-in-law, it's his daughters, it's his children. For what reason does he say this? And then what does it mean when he says, Hashem, your God, Amar Eli"? Yesterday, last night, He said to me, Lemor, to say, The word Lemor, like the Ramban says, Beidaber Adonai El Moshe, Lemor. What does that mean? It means, Hashem spoke to Moshe, To Moshe, to say, Meaning, don't hold it to yourself. Lemor. Say it. Share it. Teach it to the Jewish people. The word lemor means, I'm telling you so you could say it. What does Lavan mean when he says, And God, your God, yesterday, told me lemor to say. Where do we see that Hashem told him to say? Say to who? He just told him, Don't touch Yaakov. He didn't didn't tell him to say anything to him. And here again in the Torah's beauty, tells us so much about us through the lens of the Torah by describing Laban. Laban is a man who had a prophecy. He had a dream. God came to him. Now God came to him not because of him. God came to him as a protection for Yaakov. But the kavod that Laban felt from Hashem coming to speak to him was out of this world. He needed to say it. He needed to tell Yaakov, you think I'm a regular guy? Do you know who I am? You know, last night God spoke to me. I mean, you know, me and him were are close. He speaks to me. Just want you to know that. Now that sounds a little like asking for kavod. We don't do that. We don't. We're not so silly like that. We don't go over to a person and say, "You know what I do? You know what happened to me? You know what they said about me yesterday? Did you hear the re- award I got?" We don't do that. We're too smart for that because that looks like we're looking for kabod. So even though we are very much looking for kabod, but yet we don't want anyone to think that we're looking for kabod, because that's not kabod. <laughs> it's a It's a, it's a very big chokmah that we have. So here this man, Laban, wants to share very much with Yaakov that Hashem talks to him. Hey, I'm, a, I'm a guy. just want you to know that. By the way, this is very different from Abraham Avinu, where Hashem talks to him, not only talks to him, not in a dream, by the Akedah, Hashem not only talks to him, he promises him, I'm going to bless you. The entire Jewish history is hanging on the Akedah Titzhak. The Bet HaMikdash is sitting in the place of Akedah Titzhak. The greatest moment in history, and what does the Pasuk say? Abraham Avinu? Yasho. Abraham and the Arab, he went back to the boys that were waiting for him, They walked together. What does it mean they walked together? The answer is, they didn't notice one iota of a difference between Abraham that left them and the Abraham that came back, even though it wasn't the same Abraham. It was a whole new man. It was a whole new, accomplished person was a whole new level of a human being. Abraham Avinu wouldn't even walk differently. He walked together with them, didn't share a word, didn't say anything. They weren't there. They didn't notice one thing about him. But Lavan can't do that. Because Lavan is a man who's looking for kavod. No different than us. But he also knows if he's going to share this information with Yaakov, it doesn't look right by him. It looks like he's looking for Gavur. So what does he do? So smart. He says to him, Hashem told me, Lemor. He told me to say to you, what should I do? You think I want to tell you? You think I really want you to know? I don't care if you don't. But Hashem told me, what should I do? So to save himself, from looking like a person who's looking for a which he is, but to save his honor, he tells him, Hashem told me to tell you, what should I do? I'm commanded, I have no choice. You see how the mind of honor works. There's a whole game that all of us play just so we can get the maximum notice of people to notice what we are and what we do and what's happening to us. <clears throat> the Miraglim. What was the sin of the spies? Remember, these were men, as the Pasuk calls them, Kulam Anashim. Anashim means they were very important people. These were great men that were sent. Rasha B'nai Yisrael Hema. These were the chosen leaders of the Jewish people. They didn't just send any guy to go spy out the land. They sent the 12 Gedolim of Am Yisrael. And in fact, when they're listed, it says they were listed in the order of greatness. And Yehoshua wasn't the first. These were the greatest Jews alive at the time. Kulam Anashim. So how could it be this great catastrophe that they caused by coming back and saying the wrong things and discouraging the Jewish people? That wasn't their job. They didn't come back with a report. They came back with discouragement. They came back saying, you guys can't do it. It's not going to work. They weren't sent for that. They were sent to report back. But they came with a discouraging message that caused the entire nation to go into Avelut and to cry. And for that we have to sha'ab And thousands of years that we suffer because of the Miraglim. But how could it be? Why did they do that? The Zohar says, and the Misalad Isharim brings it, that these men, as they started their mission, they started realizing right now we're head of the tribes. There are 12 tribes in the Midbar. They lived in very close proximity to everybody. The leader had complete control. He saw everybody from his doorstep. You can't go anywhere. He had full control of his tribe. They came to him for questions. He knew what they were up to. Now they're going to Eretz Israel. It's a big country. It's much bigger than the desert. Now each tribe is going to have miles and miles and miles and miles miles of land. All over the place. In the Tzafon, in the Negev, in Yehuda, all over the place. They said... When we go to Eretz Yisrael, our leadership is not going to be as strong as now. Who knows? Maybe they're going to hire more people or maybe they're going to remove us altogether. They started to see their kavod leaving. And because of that, that was their subconscious that caused them to discourage the people. You know what? Better to stay in the desert. Let's not go to Israel. We're doing good here. They found an explanation why it's better. They found the ship. Of course, they're not going to come back and say, listen, we want the kavod. We want to be the leaders. Let's stay here. Of course, they're not saying that. Nobody would say that. They said, no, we can't do it. Let's stay here now. We're not ready for it. Maybe we're going to need more time. Whatever excuse they gave. But really the underlying reason, says the Zohar, is because of Kavod. They were afraid that they were going to lose all or some of it. Bil'am is a man that runs after Kavod. Shaul and David. The Pasuk says, the Mishra'i Shalim says, Why did Shaul want to kill David? What was bothering him? Again, if you ask Shaul, he would give. Shaul was a great man. Shaul was a big tzaddik. He would have reasons. He would tell you this and he would tell you that. He probably wrote books on why David needs to be captured and killed. But Hazal tells us otherwise that the real underlying reason is because he had a kavod issue. Because, as the Pasuk says in Shemuel, that when David came back from destroying the Pelishtim, says they went out to sing, but mi kol Are Yisrael, women came out from all the cities of Israel. They're coming back from the war, the victory. Imagine the emotions. Imagine how happy everybody was. The war is not as... That's simple. And here they went and they won the war. What did they say during these <laughs> processions? During these uh these parties? <inaudible> they said like this. They maybe it was a song or maybe it was something they were. You know, I don't know, repeating after each other. <speaking in> he <Hebrew> Shaul ba'alafav. Shaul was great. He was able to kill thousands. Ve' David, but David beri By tens of thousands. Wow. They were giving kabod to David less than Shaul. As I'll say, that's where the problem began. So even Shaul Amelech, a man that was chosen by God himself, he's Mashiach Hashem, struggled with Kavod. If we didn't see it in the books, I couldn't say it. How about Yeruv'am ben Nevat? Yeruv'am ben Nevat, just to understand who this man is, if all I told you is that when Am Yisrael was splitting into two kingdoms, for whatever reason, which we're not gonna get into right now, there needed to be a split. So Rehabam, the son of Shalomo, was the king of Yehuda, and then the ten tribes needed a new Melech, a new king. And God Himself chose as the king of the ten tribes Yerov ben Nevat. That enough? Not you don't have to say more. What this man must have been. But Hazal tell us that in his generation, this Yeruv'am ben Nevat, all the Talmidei Hachamim were small compared to him. He was a giant, he was a gadol hador. Today we're we're, going to eulogize the gadol hador. Rabchaim Zatzah. Yeruv'am ben Nevat was the gadol hador. Make no mistakes about it. When they had a halachic question, they went to Am ben Nevat. Everyone was small compared to him in stature of greatness, but he lost his olam Why? Can a great man who sacrificed his life? For God and for Torah and became the Gadol Hador, he can lose. Why? How did that happen? And Hazal point to a little story. We may look at that story and say, come on, really? That's it? But you can never say that's it on Kabbalah. There's no that's it when they split the kingdoms. So the Beta Megdash was by Yehuda. by Yehuda. The 10 tribes, when they had to go to the Beta Megdash, they had to travel there. No problem. Came the Shemitah year. The end of, like this year, the end of the Shemitah year, there's a mitzvah called Hakhel. Hakhel, they gather, all of Am Israel they come to the Beit HaMikdash. They all stand in the courtyard, the Azara. I guess whoever could fit, or maybe everyone fit, like Hazal tell us. And the only person in the Jewish nation that's allowed to sit in the Azara, in the courtyard of the Beit HaMikdash, you're not allowed to sit there. Everyone stands. The only one that could sit there is the king of Yehuda. Nobody else. Am is trying to imagine the scene. Here he is in the Beit HaMikdash. He's the king of the ten tribes. He's gonna have Rehabam, the king of Yehuda, there with him. Everyone's standing, and they tell Rehabam the Chabod. Please sit. Sit in your chair. And he's going to be standing next to him. He couldn't handle it. The picture was too heavy for Yeravam Am Ben Nevat. He couldn't handle it. How could it be? He's going to stand and the Hav is going to sit. How could it? As a result, he decided he's not letting the people go to the Bet HaMikdash. So where are they going to go? He built a whole new Bet HaMikdash. He built his own temple. He put Agel Zahav. He put a golden kef. So people would not go there. I guess he had to make some attraction. You can't just tell people not to go to the Beit HaMikdar. He made his own item. And he probably convinced them why it's the right thing to do. And why we need to do it. And who knows. Maybe he wrote Tishuvot to answer why it's okay. I don't know. But that's what happened. And this man took himself and the Jewish people off the derech. For kavod. Again, and if you think, come on, it's only that big. Yes, it's a big deal. Kavod is huge. The Gemara says, believe it or not, after all that he did, all the terrible things that he did, the Gemara says that Tavso Kadosh Baruch Hu L'Yerob'am Be'bikdo. Hashem grabbed Yerob'am his, by his clothing. Ve'amar lo, Hashem says to him, Hazor becha, Yerovam, Make teshuva. Now Hashem doesn't grab me by the begot. He's probably not grabbing you by the begot. I guess Yeruv'am's many years of avodat Hashem earned him the zechut that Hashem would come to him and say, "Yerovam." Come on! Make Teshuvah enough! And Hashem tells him, Va'ani, I promise you, me and you, Ve'ata, Uben and David Ben Yishai, Netayel Began Eden. We will hang out in Gan Eden. Now, hanging out in Gan Eden with Hashem, yeah. I don't know what that is, but I assume. It's not something that I can even understand what that feels like. I assume assume Yeruv Aham Ben-Nerat knew a lot better than me what that is. Here it is after all you've done. After all that you've messed up. Hashem says, here, just make teshuvah and I promise you a full return. Me, you, and David. The Gemara says, the ben Nevat asked Hashem, okay, I hear that. He says, Me Barosh, who goes first? Me or David? Hashem told him, David. Yeruv'am says, no. I'm out. Not interesting. Rachayesh says beautifully, he says, If he heard well, he already heard. Va'ani ve'ata u'ben Yishai. He heard already. Hashem told him, me, you, and Ben Yishai. He was before David. He heard it. He says, but he wanted to hear it again. He wanted to hear who's first. Like many of us who hear sometimes a compliment, and we become deaf for the moment. And we say, what you say? (laughs) Huh? He wanted to hear it. Who's first? Let me hear it. Hashem, you're asking who's first, forget it. You're out. So if you think Kabul is not a big deal in our lives and is not making a very big mark in our decisions, I think we're making a mistake. How far does a person go to get kavod? When Hashem told Moshe to go see paro, He told him, Lech el paro baboker, go in the morning. He's going to the Nile in the morning. Go see him there. she says, why is he going in the Nile in the morning? Why well, do we have to know that even? Who cares? Says Rashi, there's, there's a little more here. He says that Paro, every morning before anyone wakes up, would go early to take care of his bodily needs, to relieve himself in the Nile. Because Paro had the Egyptian people in belief that he was a god that doesn't need to go to the bathroom. So therefore he had his early morning to take care of what he needed to take care of. Now we've probably all heard that. But I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to think about how big of a sacrifice Paro had to do to give up, to get this status. A, he couldn't sleep late. You know, kings, they like to sleep late. They don't wake up early. What's, what's the rush? Sometimes you like to sleep late. Kings love to sleep late too. But Paro couldn't sleep late. Because Paro had to go to bed. Pharaoh had to hold in. Excuse me for saying that. He had to hold it in. Because he couldn't allow anybody to think that he goes to the bathroom. That's a lot of pain. People before they go on long trips, they make sure, they go to the bathroom first. Here's a man all day long. He needs to be hiding from people Simple things that we take for granted that of course we know we have to take care of that. But he couldn't. And if you say like, he's looking for attention. He needs attention. This man is the king of the most powerful nation in the world. He has millions of slaves serving him. He has unbelievable allegiance from his people. How do I know that? Because one Makkah, ten Makot, one Makkah after the, each one took a month. The Egyptians were destroyed. And they're waiting for Paro to decide, No, I think it's time. Egypt is this ha Teda ki they told him. Don't you know that Mitzrayim is in shambles? We're destroyed? But not one person dares to rebel against Paro, mm-hmm. No demonstrations against Parao, Paro had complete, complete allegiance from his people. What was this man missing? He had everything! But that's the nature of Kavot. The nature of Kavod is there's always a little more. You think you got to the top when you were six because you got your toy? You felt at the time, ah, good. Now, i am noticed. Now people know my true worth. And then the toys get bigger, you get older. Things that you never dreamt you would have, all of a sudden you have, but they're not enough. Because you need a little more for cupboard. And guess what? Like Par'on, Melech, Mitzrayim, we'll do anything for a little more cupboard. It says in the Gemara, ketubot. The Gemara over there says that when you give somebody who's needy money or give them their needs, you have to take care of him according to his needs, which we're not going to get into right now. The Gemara says even if the guy is used to a certain diet, he used to come from a very wealthy home. So you got to feed him according to what he's used to. Because that's what it, he's what missing. So it says over there that Hillel Hazaken, the great sage Hillel, he one time, there was a Ben Tovim, the Gemara calls him. Ben Tovim means, he comes from a wealthy background. And I guess they fell in very hard times. So Hillel Hazaken, he bought for this guy, a horse. Sus Lirkov Alav. Let's say in our time, it's a limo. He got him a limo with a driver. Because that's his whole life. From the time he's little, he has a limo. That's how he gets around. But now he has nothing. So he, he himself have a limo, I'm sure. But he got him a limo, because he needs it. Not only he needs a limo, he needs an Eved Larutzlefanev. I don't know exactly what this was. It's not the driver exactly. Or maybe it is, I don't know. It's an Eved. it's a servant that runs in front of the lima. Okay, it's certain status, I don't know what that is. The Gemara says, one time, Lom Matsa Eved la lefana. The guy went on a vacation, I don't know what happened. He little could not find someone to do that job of running. In front of the horse of this kid, <inaudible> Hillel himself, ran in front of the horse with this kid on it for three mil. Let's call it three miles. That's forty-five minutes, half hour, an hour. That is a big question here. There's something called zakin. Which means, if you're an older person or a respected person like Yilel, Yilel, he was the great sage of Am Yisrael. He doesn't have to do this. It's not according to his kavod to do such thing. It's not kavod Torah either. It's not appropriate. Kavod the Torah, there's a certain kavod that a Talmud has to have, not for himself, but for the Torah that he represents. He can't be running in front of horses imagine people watching the chief rabbi and he's running in front of a horse it's not nice it's not appropriate in fact it's Asur you can't do it how did Hillel do that? that's what Archayim Shemalav is how could Hillel do such a thing which is forbidden for a Talmud to be mezalzel to belittle the Kabut of the Torah he says must be he says must be that Hillel knew and if this boy doesn't get someone to run in front of his limo, he can get sick and die. So therefore, There's a danger here. Yes, people can get sick when they don't get the kavod that they're used to or that they expect. People can die. People make themselves miserable. That's what Hashem gave us. He gave us this kavod to deal with. Now you understand why the Sha'im says one of the, he said the biggest struggle, he says. Mina mir Mina Hayoter Adam. And the biggest struggles of mankind. And of course, as you know, struggles means unhappiness. Struggles means frustration. Struggles means pain. Struggle means sickness. Struggles means death. Kavur is something I gave you a few examples. We can go on for months and months of examples in Torah and in history. For what reason? Why Hashem? Why did you give me this hunger that makes my life miserable? For what reason? Why do I need it? I can do without it. I'd be a happier person without it. You know, the word Midot we translate as character. Character. The word midah, midah in Hebrew, means measurement. Because the word midah doesn't describe good or bad. It just depends how you measure it. Which means that kavod isn't really a bad thing. It's just the way you want to deal with this area of your life. It's going to be your free choice. Either kavod could lift you, or kavod could destroy you. It's part of the plan. Hashem could have given you the good kavod without you having to choose. But like we said in the beginning, then there's no... Purpose, meaning, meaning that you would be getting kabod. Hashem wants you to make kabod. Let me explain what I mean. In this world, everything that we know has a value. This table has a value, this chair has a value, people's work have, has value. Everything has a value. How do you determine the value of this cup or anything in this world? It's valued by the amount of money that someone is willing to pay for it. That's the value. How come a painting is worth $10 million or $10 billion? It's all dependent on someone that's willing to pay for it. Erech. Everything in this world has a value. In Hebrew it's called Erech. The question is, what's the value of a human? How do you determine the value of a human? A human can't be valued by money or anything physical because a human is much bigger than that. There's no money how much this person is worth. How much is your eye worth? There's no value to the eye. There's no value to your legs. There's no value to your life. It's not, you can't translate it in currency. Or not in financial currency, not in physical currency. When it comes to the human, the value of a human is the amount of kavod that they have. Kavod is spiritual, kavod is not physical. You can't touch kavod. Where is the kavod you have right now? Where is it? Get it? You can't. It's not something physical. Money is physical. Money can value physical things. But the human is a neshama. For neshama, spiritual, you can't evaluate spiritual with physical. Kavod is a feeling that's spiritual. The value of a human being is determined by how much kavod they have. The more kavod you have, the more value you have, and the more kaved. The word kavod and kaved have the same letters. The word kaved means heavy. Heavy means you feel like, ah, I'm a somebody. I'm not a kal. I'm not a light, nothing. I'm not a nobody. I'm a somebody. I'm kaved. I feel I am. Someone, I have a value, I'm important, I matter, I mean something. So, the more kavod you have, the more kaved heavy you are. Not heavy in weight, don't worry. The more heavy you are in the feeling of Kavod. And by the way, many people don't know this because all our lives we've been hearing that we have to run away from honor and run away from Kavod and Kavod isn't good and Kavod could destroy you and it destroyed Yerov Am ben and it destroyed Bil'am and, and it destroyed... You're right, like we just did. But actually, kavod is something that we all need. We actually can't survive without it. Our rabbis tell us that kavod is so essential for the human, it's no different than food. The same way a person cannot say, You know what? I'm deciding to live and go on with my life, but no more food. That's it. I'm done with food. Otherwise, I'm going to live. You tell the person, not possible. You can't live without food. It's just not humanly possible. A rock can do it. You can't do it. If a person would tell you, I want to live my life without, k- I don't need kavod. I'm good. I don't need honor. I'm good without it. You tell the person, sir, you cannot do it. It's not possible. You cannot live life without the feeling of kavod." You have to feel a value. There is no way to live for a human if they feel worthless. If you feel worthless, you will probably jump off a building. You will not be able to make it. You need to feel value. That's why one of the more important things when you raise a child is to give him a feeling of value. Because the only way he can make it is he needs to feel that kavod. Now you might be asking, so wait, I'm very confused. I'm very confused. We just spoke for an hour about how terrible kavod is, and now we're saying, no, 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 no. It's essential. You need it. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. In fact, give it to your children. What are you doing to us? What is this? Well, you be surprised to know that the Creator of the world that we emulate every day when we repeat the Malachim's words of praising God, they say as follows, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. They just keep saying Kadosh. Kadosh means awesome. Kadosh means like nothing else. Kadosh means wow, in awe. That's what Kadosh means. And every time they see Hashem and they realize... They go, wow, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. They keep going. We say it three times, but they don't stop. Melo <laughs> kol the world is full with Kevodo, his honor. Imagine such a terrible thing like Kevod. And Hashem wants us to know him as his honor. I guess it's not such a bad thing then. To have kavod, Hashem Himself says, that "I'm a kevodon. So what then is the answer to our quandary here? Is kavod good or is kavod no good? The answer is kavod is not good or no good. It all depends on you. You have to decide, and I have to decide. And every human has to decide where are you picking up the kavod that you need to satisfy your kavod bucket. We all have a kavod bucket and we have to fill it. And you and I have to ask ourselves where are you getting your kavod from? Real kavod, real honor is kaved. Because real honor comes from real accomplishments. When you are accomplishing as a human being, when you're learning, so you're expanding your wisdom, when you're sacrificing for the right things, when you're giving of yourself, when you're becoming a Baal Hasen, when you are becoming a patient person, when you're becoming a Rahum, The Hanun, when you're becoming Emet. When you are filling yourself and filling your Neshama and filling your life with real value. Real value is anything that's godly. Right now, for the last hour, we're filling our Neshama with real value. This is not fake. This is value because we're talking words of Emet. And our neshama is being filled. That's called kabod of Hashem. Where does Hashem's kabod come from? From his kiddushah. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. He's awesome. In his kindness. In his thoughtfulness. In his love. In his sin. He's just awesome. Kadosh, kibodo. The source of of Hashem's honor is from within Himself. It's the kavod that He manufactures through His great accomplishments. And we, just like Hashem, must manufacture our own kavod. It has to come from within. The more we do for our neshama, the more dedicated we are to our mission in this world. The more honest and giving and real that we are. Everything that Hashem asks of us is a value. Tzniut is a value, yes. A value. To be tsenuah is a value. To be humble is a value. All the things that we learn, these are real values. When you put real value in your kavod container, you feel kaved. You feel heavy. Your kedusha that you're bringing into your life brings you a sense of worthiness. You feel, ah, I'm worth something. Not because somebody told me. Not because someone's pat me on the back. No, no, no. You know why I'm worth something? Because I just learned something. I just did something. I just helped somebody. I just did that. I just resisted that. I'm worth something because of me. That is considered healthy kavod. That kavod will take you a long way in life. It's the kavod that comes from within you. The kavod that we so much despise and the destructive kind is the kavod that's an illusion. It's the kavod not necessarily of what I do but of what people think of me. People think I'm special. I don't know why. Maybe they think I'm special because... I bought a nice car. So they said, wow, you're so special. And then I say, oh, wow, what kavod. This is great. People think I'm special. And then people think you're special because you wore a nice dress or you bought a nice suit. And you say, "Ah, oh, this is so good. I love this. Now, by the way, you're not special for driving a nice car. I hate to break it to anybody yet. You're not special. Zero, nothing. Maybe you're enjoying your car. It's okay to enjoy your car. But does it make you special? Because you have a nice car. That I can promise you. You need a house to live and you're allowed to be comfortable and enjoy it. But you're not special because you have a nice house. You're not. You're not special Because you look good. Hashem made you look good. So when you start filling your kavod bucket with fake kavod, it's an illusion. It's not real. It's like drinking salt water when you're thirsty. When you first put it in your mouth, it feels like a liquid is coming down your dry mouth only to realize a few minutes later that you got more thirsty. You didn't do anything. Your bucket and my bucket, we are starving for kavod. We're starving to feel worthy. But to feel worthy, you have to sacrifice. You have to give up your money. You have to give up your time. You may have to make difficult decisions. Some of them may not be so popular in the world that you live in. That's what it's going to take. And that sometimes is a little too difficult. You mean, they may look at me like that? Uh Uh-oh, I don't know if I can handle that. It's too hard for me. So the Yitzhak comes and says, don't worry. I'll give you Kabut, don't worry. You don't need to sacrifice. You don't have to go learn, Stop. You don't have to do all that stuff. That's Don't worry. I will give you another avenue. You don't have to sacrifice. Just make people think that you're great. That's it. All day long, try to grab their attention. Whatever you can do. And you'll see that you'll feel kavod. And you'll be like, yeah, yeah, you no, know, I feel it. But it's an endless pit. You're going nowhere because you're supplying yourself with false oxygen. There's nothing there. <coughs> it's just enough to get you going. Because without it, you'd be dead. So you need something. So you get the kavod, and it keeps you going for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, oh, I need more. I can't anymore. I need more kavod. I, I need people to say hello to me. Let me see if that guy smiles to me. Okay. Oh, I got my invitation in the mail. Okay, I'm somebody again. Oh, I was almost feeling like I was going to fall off the bridge. But now I'm good again. Ah, oh, I got the phone call. Good. And we play this game all life. Just like this. Up and down, up and down. Who likes me? Who doesn't like me? Who notices me? Who doesn't notice me? Who thinks I'm good? And all day long, we're worried about the kavod that people are going to give us. And we run after that kavod. And it's detrimental to our spiritual health and is detrimental to our physical health. And this is the challenge of mankind. Hashem put us in a world and you gotta decide. Hashem could have given us the kavod from birth but then what did we do? What accomplishments do we have? What value do we have? Oh, it's the value that God gave us but that's not godly. The value that we need to fill up is the value that we make. The weight that we put on, not the weight that's given to us. This is the challenge of mankind. Where are you going to get your kavod? Kabod is essential. Kavod is necessary. Where are you picking it up from? And each person has to ask themselves. And by the way, there is a relationship between the two types of kabod. You see, if your bucket is full with real kabod, then you don't need to go begging for other people's kavod. You don't need to ask people. You don't need to be noticed. It's not necessary. You're full. But if, God forbid, your bucket is empty or running very low, Like close to the E in your car. So you start getting nervous when it's E and it's in the highway. And you're thinking, how many miles to the next exit? Can I make it? I don't know. When your kavod bucket is low on your energy, you're going to have to start begging. And you're going to have to start asking, please. Would you please notice me, please? Tell me I'm somebody, please, please, please invite me, please. Now, of course, like Lavan, we would never say that. We're too smart for that. We're never going to say, "Please give me kabbalah." But we'll say lemor. We'll do something else. We'll figure it out. And that's what we do our entire life. You know, when you look at it, when you have. This and you look from the top bottom It's a funny world It really is If you put on your real glasses And you look around what's going on And you just see everyone's faking each other It's a world of lies Oh I love you, you're the best Sketch God doesn't like him at all And then you say I love you more Biggest sketch You don't love them at all and everyone's hugging and kissing and saying high-five. And, and it's all a game. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Tell me I'm great, I'll tell you you're great. It's a great relationship, thank you very much. But we both know we hate each other, it's fine. Huh? It's fine, just give me the color. It's a funny world, I'm telling you. If you put on your real glasses and you look from the top a little bit, not to make fun of, husband shalom. Not to make fun of people. God forbid, by the way. I'm not saying that. But it's funny. It really is funny. And it's sad. Because you have people walking around. People. Whose people? Me, I'm talking. Talk about me and you. It's sad. We walk around and we're like this. Please. I need you. It's very sad when humans don't get their own energy. Kavot is a choice. Hashem put us in this world to choose our own nutrition. You decide. Each one could decide. Are you making it from within or are you going to beg for it outside? You see, why did Hashem have to make us beg for it outside? Because He makes us need it. If Hashem just gave us the good Kavot and not the bad Kavot, then okay, we wouldn't get good kavod and we wouldn't care. Hashem says, no, no, I'm making you starve. So you have to get kavod. Hashem helps us. He's helping us. He said, I'm going to make you need kavod. So when you see a person looking for kavod, say, Thank you, Hashem. Because you're forcing this person to look for kavod. Yes, he's looking in the wrong place, but at least he's looking. He needs it. Hashem could have made us very satisfied, like the cow, like the squirrel. We don't need kabod, who cares? I don't care. But then what would be of us? When would we look for real kabod? Baruch Hashem, we're talking to each other today. We know this story. We know the frustrations. We understand it. So one day we wake up and say, you know something? How many times am I going to fall for this? That's it, enough. Let me work on it. But because Hashem put a fire under us He says, you need to fill up that gallon You can't walk on empty mm-hmm. Our job is to figure out Where to fill up from Aura kevodi, says David When he refers to his neshama He says, awaken Kevodi My honor <laughs> He called his neshama his honor One might think, David, hey Don't talk like that your honor. you talking about yourself? Yeah. He's talking about his neshama. Kevodi. The honor that he got from his neshama. From what his neshama did? Lachen samach bi says David el-Melech. Vayagel kevodi. My kavod is rejoicing. Ah, it feels so good to get your kavod from within. It feels so godly. And we don't have it. You need to make a lot of noise, like the Gemara says. Famous Gemara in Masechet Baba Metzi'ah. The Gemara says that if you would fill up a barrel with gold coins all the way till the top and you would try to shake that barrel You wouldn't hear a thing. You would think there's nothing there. But if you take one gold coin, or even a silver one, or even a rock, and put it in that barrel by itself, and you start shaking the barrel, you would think (sighs) there's nuclear bombs in there. So much noise. The Gemara is describing our situation in life. When a person is full of kavod, if you have your own gold coins, then you don't need to make noise. You don't need to flatter. You don't need to get flattered. You don't need to stand out. You don't need to get noticed. Not necessary. You don't even hear of the person. But they're full. Why would they need any outside gold coins when they're full. But when you have very little in your barrel, you make a lot of noise. You try to get a lot of attention. You have to. What's the alternative? Death? Can't be. Hashem puts us into this world to end the subject. He puts us in this world when we're little. And when we're little, we don't have the ability yet to feel kavod from our own accomplishments. It's not possible. Little children cannot manufacture their own kavod. They haven't accomplished. They're not capable. So it is at that time in their lives when the only kavod a little child gets is the compliments that his mother, his father, his grandpa, his friend, his teacher thats the only thing they could work on. If you do well, oh, you're a great boy. Ah, thank you. I give you a prize. You're beautiful. Oh, you honorable. Great. That's the only thing that could keep a young person going because they haven't really accomplished and they don't know yet how to accomplish. But they need kavod. There's no other way. Hashem puts us in this world and we come into this world looking for Kavod. That's the only thing we know. So don't feel bad if you've been doing this your whole life. It started before you even were conscious of what you were doing. And then we're supposed to graduate. We're supposed to realize, oh, hold on a second. This is not going anywhere. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And you're supposed to start transferring your Kavod From them to you. And of course the highest level would be. If you're only about you. And it doesn't matter what other people say. Not because you don't care about people. Because the kavod comes from within me. I don't need that. That would be the highest level. It's a very high level. But it's not all or nothing. Meaning you can be a real person. Who does real things. And also enjoy when people compliment you. Okay so you haven't gotten to the top top. But you're doing good. You know, when the real test of who is actually winning in you, your kavod or other people's kavod, this, the people in this room and the people listening, no question, are not a zero. We're not zeros here. We're not people who all our kavod comes from the outside. There are people like that, but we're not from them. Baruch Hashem. But at the same time, we're not all inner kavod either. So we need to grow to that. One of the big questions, if you want to know where you are in this Kavod atmosphere, is what happens when the inner Kavod collides with the outer Kavod? Mm, hear that? Now, sometimes, look, I give a good class. That's a good thing. It's an inner Kavod. Nice. And then someone will tell me, Rabbi, that was great. Ah, that goes hand in hand. I like the comment. I like the class. I'm doing good. Beautiful. But sometimes in life, the inner kavod is on a collision course with the outer kabod, meaning the people that are looking at you are not really loving what you're doing. Even though it's what you should be doing. You know it's the right thing to do. But you may get comments. You may get looks. So now what happens to you? What happens to you When there's a collision course of the outer kavod or the inner kavod, that's a good test to know if your inner kavod is beating your outer kavod. You probably have both. We all have both. And we're looking to go to the top. But one of the big tests is when you struggle to do the right thing because of other people. That means your thirst for outside kavod is greater than inner kavod. And that should be a wake-up call. Hey, this is not where I'm supposed to be. And we have to keep elevating ourselves. And the interesting thing about Kabot is that no matter how much you elevate yourself, you always have to be careful. Because right when you get to the top, that could be your biggest challenge. When you get to the top, all of a sudden, you'll find Kabot waiting for you right there. And you have to be very careful. And I'll end off with this story. The Gemara says in Masechet Berachot that there was once a position to fill in Am Yisrael to be the Rosh Yeshiva of Am Yisrael in Babel in Eretz Yisrael, excuse me. And they finally came to choose a Rabbi that we're familiar with Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah very young man. He was a big tzaddik. Very big scholar. They chose from all the choices they had. They said he's the right guy. So it says to the Gemara that they went to ask him. They said, Is it good for you? Would you accept to be the Rosh lehu, He said what every smart man would say. Let me go ask my wife. Nice, smart. Smart man. He says, let me go ask my wife. He went and he asked her. Imagine, this is Rabbi Elazar and wife. These are from the greatest people in the history of the Jewish people. No rabbi today, even comes close to Rabbi Azar bin Azariah. So he went to his wife, the Rebidson, and he says, listen, they gave me a, an offer to be the Rosh Shiva. What do you think? She tells him, Dilma me They may remove you. They may kiss you. Like they kissed the first guy before you. The reason why there's, a, there's an opening is the previous one was asked to step aside. They told him, she told him, hello, what are you doing? You're going to get yourself in the same mess as the one before you? They may one day get rid of you. Amarla, he said to her, listen, a man could use a nice cup even one day, even if the next day it breaks. But at least he used it for one day. And he took the job. And this conversation is so bothersome and troubling that two great people would have such a discussion. Imagine, the great rabbi goes to his wife and she says to him, well, they might get rid of you, so like you're going to be embarrassed. And he says, not, I don't care. Even cup, what, for one day is good. I, I would have thought the conversation is like, what does Hashem want from us? What's Ritzon Hashem? is going to be... You know, what, what other things are we going to be missing out on? Nope. Nothing like that. The whole discussion is kabod. She says, you're not going to get enough kavod because you might get pushed aside. And he said, I don't care. Even one day if kabod is there enough for me. Shocking. I'll tell you the real explanation. The real explanation is that Rabbi Eliezer wife Told her husband, who was a pure Oved Hashem, he was a man whose bucket was full of kavod from himself. It was pure Lashem Shemaim. She told him, when you get to be the Rosh Shiva, you're going to start to like it. And then you're going to start worrying. Every day, when you decide to make a decision, instead of deciding, good, right, wrong, you're thinking, wait, if I do this, they may kiss me. If I don't do this, they may get upset with me. Oh no. Dilma avrimlach is going to start to play a role in your life. You're going to start worrying about your position because even though now you don't care about any position because you don't have it. But once you get to kavod, oh, kavod is like, it's drugs you got a hire it's not you don't have to look for cover to like it you could be not looking for it and all of a sudden it comes and then say wow is this is good she says I'm worried about you right now you're a pure Jew just leave it at that because if you take this job and you start getting the cupboard and you're gonna want more of it and now your whole life's decision making is going to be different deal I'm worried about you he tells her, listen to me, I'm not coming for the kabod. I am strong on this issue. If I get to be Rosh Hashiva one day, it's fine. I don't care if they kiss me. I'm not in it for that. If they give me one day to be the zekhut of being a Rosh Hashiva and they kiss me, it's fine. No problem. I don't care if they get rid of me. I'm not in it for the kabod. Go get rid of me, it's fine. It's not about that. It's about what I have to do and the right thing to do. Which means to all of us that this battle after true kavod starts when we're young. How come Hashem started off with the wrong kavod, by the way? Why did not He give us the right one first? He starts off with the wrong one. We get so used to it. Then we have to wake up 50 years later and come to this class and say, Oh no. I messed up 50 years, I can't believe it. Well, why do you do this? Give us the good kavod first. And then the answer is, if you taste good kavod, you'll never go for the fake one. And there will be no free choice. When you get a real kavod from within, you'll never want the fake kavod. If Hashem would actually give you the real one, you would never go for the substitute. So first, He starts you off with the fake one. And your job is to make the real one and you keep graduating and graduating and graduating, and then you get to the top, you become the Rosh Hashiva. And guess what you have waiting for you right there? More kabod. And you have to be very careful, because it can get you anytime, anywhere, and no matter who you are. You're never protected. But this is the challenge of life. Baruch Hashem, there's a struggle called kabod. It's the struggle of the human who is looking to fill himself with true values, and true accomplishment, Hashem will not make us like this world. Oh no. Because then we'll be satisfied with doing nothing. We need to do a lot. But it can't also be automatically good. Because then there's no free choice. And we didn't do it. Hashem in His wisdom puts a world together just right for us to step into it and to realize the greatness within ourselves and to bring it to fruition. Baruch Amen Amen. Amen.